Hi, this is uh, Casey and Angie Perkins. Hi and, there. And uh, we are going to be talking about being armor bearers today. Yeah, so um, we have talked extensively in the past about, you know, the armor of God and, and done studies on that. But today we really wanted to change gears just slightly and talk about being armor bearers, being each other's armor bearers. And our heart for this podcast episode is to kind of go that extra step and, and recognize our part in God's plan to learn how to embrace that calling and then to partner together as a husband and wife in that mutual faith as armor bearers. So we'll, we'll kind of walk you through this, um, this whole concept. Yeah. So, uh, the verses we're going to be reading, uh, starts in first Samuel 14 and it's all about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so just a little context, um, Saul is king of Israel and they've started attacking other territories around them. And the Philistines are currently camped out in Israel. And everyone is just kind of at a stalemate on uh, both sides of the road, yeah. basically. And so um, starting in uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron, where he was there with 600 men. Um, so Jonathan left, nobody knew, and he had his armor bearer with him. So on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them to our hand. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding. The men in the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with the armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed, killing behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, and those in the outpost and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was the panic sent by God. I just love that last line, that panic sent by God. And we realize that um, reading all of that passage, there's there's a lot of context there. There's a lot of um, information. So we're going to unpack this a bit, um, starting with the location. So what we're talking about here is um, a part of Israel in the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin is basically this swath of land that runs east to west that kind of cuts Israel in half. It's located right there in the middle of it. And in... Benjamin is a town called Gilead. Now, Gilead is where Saul is from. It's um, where King Saul is from. And so 
basically the Philistines have camped here in Benjamin, right outside of Gilead, um, on the doorsteps of Saul, basically. They've set up camp there. And from this place, they're sending out troops to the rest of Israel to send out raiding parties. Um, what's important to know about this whole thing is is kind of the history of Benjamin as a whole. Like the tribe of Benjamin went through a really dark season where um, the the men of Benjamin were told in Judges at the end of Judges, there's, there's a story of a Levite man with his concubine who go through the tribe of Benjamin as they're traveling through. And the men of Benjamin rape this woman. And so the Levite in a grotesque way, cuts up her body and sends it out to the 12 tribes. And the 12 tribes attack Benjamin and almost annihilate them completely. So uh, when we're talking about this, we, we want you to understand kind of the um, uh, the foreshadowing, the background, the surroundings of what's going on here. There's um, This area has seen, uh, for lack of a better word, darkness. They've seen, um, you know, like the spiritual ramifications for their choices. And so here we are. Um, on the foot, on the doorsteps of Saul, um, with the Philistines camping there because of the choices that the Israelites have made in the past. And so, um, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they, uh, they decide that they're going to go up against these Philistines on their own. Um, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, it's, it's a, Oh, how how would you put it? It's a it's a a novel idea to think that you can take on you know thousands and thousands of of these enemies. It's like yeah, grandiose Hollywood story. One guy takes on everybody because uh, when when Saul first became king, he he gathered together all of Israel and he selected three thousand elite soldiers and he sent a thousand of them with Jonathan and he kept two thousand back and they kind of they. They started securing Israel. And in here, we see that after all that has happened and whatnot, uh, Saul is sitting in his hometown. Like he's kind of, instead of going out, doing stuff, protecting, he's allowed the Philistines to come all the way in directly to his doorstep. And he only has 600 people left. And he's twiddling his thumbs. Yeah, basically. They're, they're just sitting there. They're waiting. We We don't know exactly how long the Philistines have been sitting there, but... They're just hanging out, whether it's they're the 600 that are left because they're the best of the best and they're sitting on their own accolades or whether they're just kind of scared and they're like, well, as long as we keep our hometown safe, everything's pretty all right. And yeah, it's only Jonathan and his armor bearer that actually stand up and say, this is wrong. This this is not what God wants from us. Yeah. And and in, that's really the point we're trying to get to with this passage is um, it's not you know, like you see this whole set setting set up and you think God is just waiting there for one person or a group of people to say, this isn't okay. We're going to go fight for the Lord. And so that's where we come in with Jonathan and his armor bear. Um, we're going to take a step back though, from a second. So that's kind of like the historical context of what's going along here, but we really want to just answer the question, what is an armor bear? So, you know, historically speaking, an armor bearer was somebody who would who would come alongside a king or come alongside a knight or come alongside, you know, a noble of some sort, and they would carry their armor. That is like the most rudimentary definition of it uh, that we can make. You know, it was somebody who uh, provided for them. You know, they would help them to the battlefield with their armor, and then 
sometimes they would stick around, sometimes they wouldn't, but then afterwards they would carry the armor back for them. Not a warrior, untrained, just they were an extra person to help out the the main character. Yeah, in time of needs. They were they were basically the bag carrier, you know? Um and we don't see that in this passage with Jonathan and his armor bearer. We don't see um, his armor bearer saying, well, I will carry your sword to this point, but then you're on your own. He's stuck with Jonathan the entire time. He said, I'm with you, um, body and soul, or heart and soul. Um, so we see this different um, understanding of, of, of armor bearer in this passage. And we wanted to make this uh, connection because a lot of churches today, a lot of you know Christians today, we take this term armor bearer and we think of it as somebody who comes alongside um, this great you know personality, this great leader, and they're just their helper. They're just their assistant. They're just the person that you know carries the bags or you know I uh, goes and fetches people from the airport for a pastor or you know takes care of their laundry or does something silly like that. And that is not the image that we get here in scripture. Yeah. it And like you were saying how he, he didn't just go. Uh, it, we see in verse 13, it says the Philistines fell before Jonathan and the armor bearer followed killing behind him. Now, obviously that's a little grotesque for a marriage podcast, but if we just see the fact that the armor bearer was doing what Jonathan was doing. He, he wasn't even a lesser. They were, they were more of equals almost. They were, they were partners. They, they, it, if the armor bearer wasn't there, somebody could have stood up behind Jonathan and he would have then been surrounded. Yeah. They had a mission, a a, a co-mission together on this whole process. Um, and it was all geared towards, you know, or driven by faith, you know, like they, they weren't, um, they weren't foolish in their acts. There was, there was a, a, a great amount of faith that went into this whole process. And so we kind of alluded to this, but the, um, it, it seems kind of odd to pick a passage like that and that has nothing to do with marriages whatsoever and then say, yeah, we're going to apply this to marriages. But what we see in Jonathan and, his, and in his armor bearer is this concept of unity, of, of mission, um, of going forward in faith knowing that God is going to do what God says he will always do. Um, and so, uh, you know, as we were kind of studying this topic and looking into it, I, I came across passage after passage um, or, you know, internet source of uh, women being uh, recognized as an armor bearer, you know, like uh, helping your husband, supporting your spouse, doing all of these things. You don't see a whole lot of... Um, websites or you know uh blogs about husbands being the armor bearer for their their wives um but i i i'm okay with that in a in a sense because if you if we take it down to like the most rudimentary thing we are god's armor bearer um we are christ's bride and so we get to be christ's armor bearer and so for me like reading all of these um blogs about, you know, wives being their husband's armor bearer. What I'm reading is as a couple, we get to be the bride of Christ and we get to come together and be Christ's armor bearer. Um, and, and really just live out that calling in our lives. And I think it's really important there to 
I think a lot of times, like how you said, the internet's full of stuff about wives. Here's how you can be the armor bearer to your husband, to the leader, to the main character. Exactly. And it's, that's not what the Bible says. It, it, it's not a lesser position. It's not something worse. I mean, yes, husbands, we can take that and we can run with it and we could say, say, yeah, I'm the head wife. You come behind me. I, I say what to do and you're supposed to be like the armor bearer. You're supposed to say, oh, do what you think. I'm with you, heart and soul. But when we take that into the context of us being the bride of Christ, suddenly husbands, we, we, we kind of have to check our hearts. We have to check our pride. We have to say, whoa, wait, um, no, I'm supposed to be the leader. But if I'm the bride of Christ, suddenly Christ is the leader. And what, what, does, that, what does that do for me? Does that do, do I now put myself in a a lesser position, like I'm just a secondary role, like I've been putting my wife in. And so I think it's really understanding because in scripture it says we're co-heirs with Christ. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Christ is Christ, Jesus, God incarnate, everything. But then we get scriptures that say we're co-heirs, not, not we're vice heirs. We're, we're not secondary under, yes, everything's put under Christ, but that co-heir, that partnership and the, the language of bride of Christ, that unity, that connection, it's, 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 it's Ephesians uh, 5 and 6 talking about the mystery of marriage is Christ and his church. And so we really have to understand that concept of how us being the bride of Christ, especially husbands, it's, it can be tricky for us at times, but understanding about how us being the armor bearers, being the bride, heart and soul and and just a little bit on that i mean heart and soul the heart is kind of the um it's the center of your physical being it's it's the vital part it's the core and then the soul is the um the the center the core of your spiritual being and so that's saying not like sometimes we begrudgingly do stuff like okay i'll do it but i'm not going to be happy about it and that's not what this You'll is get saying. My half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll do the fifty percent, and that's it. But no, yeah. this is saying I am I am a hundred percent in in everything I do, loving God with my heart, soul, strength, mind, everything. And so, just understanding that being the armor bearer is not a lesser thing. And even in our marriage, husbands, it's okay, and it's it's actually God given mandate. Sometimes your wife is going to get a word from God. And you have to be able to look Listen at her. Listen up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be able to look at her and say, I am with you, heart and soul. Like you you have to check your pride sometimes. I know I do. Just complete transparency. Like I sometimes feel like God speaks a little clearer to my wife than he does to me. And so when we're when we're praying about the exact same thing, like what what should we do in this situation? What ministry should we step into? Should we take this opportunity? I feel like my wife has a much better direct line to God than I do. He's on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to be able to look at her and say that maybe it's God talking to my wife through my wife to me. And I have to be able to look at her and say, I'm with you heart and soul. And that's not an insult. We are one, we are together. And that's such a blessing that I'm able to look at her and say that, that just I'm with you everything. Let's, let's go after God together because together we're the bride of Christ. It's it's not an insult yeah. if I am the armor bearer to my wife. It's actually such a blessing that God is speaking to both of us, whether it's directly, whether it's through scripture, whether it's through your spouse. And together we get to be the, be the bride of Christ, to be the yeah. armor bearer 
with Christ going forward in his mission for his purpose. Yeah. So you really see three characters in this story um, that really stand out. And, and that's what we love about this is you have God over the whole entire story. And then you've got Jonathan and his armor bearer and Jonathan and, and his armor bearer. They're really dependent on each other. You know, Jonathan asks his armor bearer like, hey, let's go do this. And it takes, you know, the, the agreement and the encouragement of that armor bearer for Jonathan to go forward. You know, like he doesn't go by himself. He, he wants a partner to go with him. And that's, that's really what we're, we want in a marriage is, you know, to, to recognize what God's calling us towards and to go forward with that, you know, to, to partner with each other and going forward. And I, I really love how, the armor bearer is not named in this. And the reason I love this is um, the humbleness that that requires to not be named. You know, sometimes Casey's going to be the Jonathan in our um, in our life and he's going to go forward and I'm just going to be that armor bearer um, that helps him. But sometimes I'm going to be the Jonathan and he's going to be my armor bearer. And it takes this humility and this recognition of it doesn't really matter if my name is known or not because God is the one who is, you know, just bulldozing forward and we are following where he's leading us. We are going where he's calling us to go. So I think you kind of answered this question, but I want to go back to uh, what we talked about, the, the recognizing our part in God's plan. So why is it important both individually and as a couple to recognize our part in God's plan? I think it's, it comes down to just knowing that it's not our story. Yeah. It's not our story. This is God's story, and we get to play a part in that. You know, we get to play a, a really um, vital role in what he is doing here in this world. God is not done acting on our beha- behalf. He's He's not done moving forward, and so we get to play a role in that. And And it's okay that our roles might not be you know, the King David or the Moses or the, you know, um, the Pauls in the world. Because our role is still important. You know, if Jonathan didn't have his armor bearer, we don't know what would have happened. Um, yeah. And that role is important. And so it's really recognizing what God is doing. Um, I, I loved we when we were talking about this, we came up with this analogy of a map. And it, it's really... Um, I you know, when you look at a map, you can recognize your surroundings. You can see the paths that you need to travel, the paths that you want to travel, where you're trying to go, who's going with you, you know, like you, you can see all of this stuff. And when we look at our spiritual life in the context of a map, we can see those areas in our lives where the enemy is camped out. We can see those areas of our lives where Satan likes to kind of hang around this area. And you know what? If this conversation comes up, he's going to jump on us. It's where we've let him hang out. It's where we've it's let where him. It's where we've been the Saul. We're, we're not the yeah. Jonathan. We're not the armor bearer. We're the Saul. We're hanging out, letting him sit at our doorstep. Yeah. And when we can look at our spiritual life in the context of a map and where God is calling us to go, like he's already marked out the spot and the path on that map then we have a better understanding of how we play a role in this story. So, yeah. So just moving forward then, how do we go from knowing, you know, like 
what to do? How do we know, like, okay, we've been given this map. We understand what it is. How do we actually embrace this mission? And I re- really focus on that word mission. How do we go from, um, you know, understanding where God's calling us to go to embracing it and, s- you know, seeing that mission through? Um, I think the the difference between seeing and embracing really has to do with um, laying down self, like setting our pride aside because a lot of the times God's going to give us a map and it's not what we want. Absolutely. It's it's like, okay, God, this is half a map, God. Yeah. It's, um, as, as we were talking about, like in, in those verses, there's a lot of places named and they've been able to kind of look out and map out exactly where this battle kind of happened. And the route Jonathan takes is not the easy route. No, they're, it's they're, a hard route. Yeah, there, there was this canyon that he kind of went through where if he would have just headed to the north just a little bit, there was this nice valley, pass. this passage, this simple path going through. But instead, he went down into this canyon. And then even his when he said, like, hey, let's show ourselves. Obviously, that's horrible in military. If you're going to ambush someone, you don't show yourself. Never. That's, that's not how it works out. And then... It says that he actually had to climb up a cliff. Once again, climbing up a cliff is not good for when you're attacking an outpost. They're they're above you. They can drop literally anything on you. It doesn't even have to be a weapon, and you might get hurt. And it says he climbed up hand and foot, which means he didn't have his weapons in his hand. They weren't at the ready. He needed everything. He needed his entire being just to get up this cliff to then be prepared to then fight them. Like, it's... It was not advantageous to him at all to do anything. And his armor bearer probably had been with him to a couple battles, or at least especially with the the way that they talked to each other. It was very conversational. And obviously, we don't know exactly what was said, everything that was said. But Jonathan just said, hey, I'm going to go over to this other side. And his armor bearer said, sure, let's go. It seemed very agreeable, like almost an instant, like, yeah, let's do it. So there was a trust built. And so his armor bearer is seeing all of this stuff go on. And he's like, this probably isn't the best idea, but I trust. And that that's, I feel like that's how for us to transition from just, I see the mission and it's mm, to, I trust you, God. I, I embrace your mission. And that's another thing. When, when we let go of self, we understand it's not our mission. It's not our outcome. It's, it's God. And so we then, we embrace his plan. We embrace his everything. And it, it doesn't matter whether it's positive in the way we feel like it is. There's something being planted there. It's, it's almost where the rubber meets the road. Like it would have been one thing if the, uh, the armor bearer said, I'm with you heart and soul. And he says that. And then what happens is then they show themselves to the Philistines. Yeah. What if he's like, I said I was with you. I didn't say I was stupid. Yeah. Like, you know, what if he backed out then? Yeah, but he he didn't. He he continued on. He he showed that it was more than just words. And I I feel that's a, important in our faith. That's important in our walk with God. Like, how often do we say, God, show me what your will is, and I am there. And then he says, Okay, I want you to do this. And we're like, Okay, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray again because I I. I don't think you know what you told me to do because here's X, Y, and Z, why it doesn't work. Like we we're we're more talk of excuses than we are talk of, okay, God, I'm with you. 
And even in our marriage, we, we all know when we say, hey, I promise I'm going to get this done. Hey, did you get this done? Uh, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you don't have to nag me every single six months. I'll get it done. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and so I think that that embracing is really just about letting go of self. In a marriage, it's you, you can't have a good marriage if you're selfish. No. Just plain and simple. I mean, it may be good for you. It's not going to be good for your spouse. You, you can have a good personal life being selfish. You can't have a good marriage being selfish. There's there's another person that you have to take care of. There's another person you have to lay down your wants and desires. They might not want pizza every single night, even though it's the greatest food ever. They might not want to watch that game that you really want to watch. They they might want to do something that you don't want to do. They might not want to decorate with you. Oh, n- never. <laughs> but it's it's letting go of that self and realizing that the the benefit that you get that that connection that whether it is the outcome you wanted, whether it's the outcome you didn't want, the fact that you were together that relationship which is what God is all about. It's it's embracing that relationship with God and realizing that from that, everything else is going to come. I, th- I think sometimes we we might focus on, okay, what is this step I'm supposed to embrace? And in reality, we're just supposed to be embracing that relationship with God, that, that relationship with our, our, our lover, our, yeah. our bridegroom. When we embrace that, the steps don't matter. Yeah. It really comes down to trust for me. When I, when I think about mission, you know, and and what they did, it was trust, you know, like Jonathan said, Hey, we're going to let them see us. And if they say this, we know that we'll succeed. And if they say this, we know that they'd kill us. Um, and so for this armor bear, it was trust, you know, like I'm going to trust that you are following God, which is, that's ultimately it. It's not just, I'm going to trust my spouse, but I'm going to trust that my spouse is following God and I'm going to follow through with them. And it really came down to faith, not just for the armor bearer, but for Jonathan as well. And you know, we've talked about faith before. And uh, the Hebrew word for faith, um, it's different than our definition of faith. It doesn't mean that I believe you're going to do something or that God can do something. It means I'm going to partner with God in doing this. I'm going to be an active participant in what God is doing. Um, I'm not going to stand scared, you know, and it, And that's really the key to this whole passage is, you know, we have this whole story of of characters and some of these Israelites, you know, when they find out that the Philistines are there, they're hiding in the rocks. Some of them went over to the other camp. They went over to the Philistines and joined them because they just, they saw this huge army and thought, we're not going to win. Some of them were like Saul, and they were sitting on the hill, biding their time, twiddling their thumbs, not knowing what to do. And the reality is, is God calls us into situations to be Jonathan's and Saul's. We're not meant to sit around. We're supposed. We're meant to do. We're meant to partner with God. That's what our faith is: is partnering with God. Um, and so, uh, you know, like the idea of it, you know, like how do we apply this then to marriage? You know, I, um, I was kind of trying to think of, you know, examples that we've had in our marriage before that have, um, that have, you know, kind of, uh, gone parallel with the story of Jonathan and Saul. And 
we've we've got three kiddos and they're young and they love to watch TV every once in a while. And so, you know, as parents, you don't want to watch the, you know, the Coco Melon or, you know, like Bluey all the time. Like you want to <laughs> you want to watch something. You want to be able to enjoy it, too. Yeah. And so we uh, we we found uh, a show is DuckTales and they had remade the, t- the the show. And we thought, oh, we watched that as a kid. We can we could watch this new, uh, you know, new series with our kids and we'll we'll really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Well. We, we got into it and, you know, at first we, the nostalgia was all there and we were having fun, um, but we started noticing undertones and this is no, um, this is no like, you know, um, slight against against this anyone who watches yeah, it or anything, anything like, like that. that. But this was just our personal conviction. We started noticing undertones that we didn't like our kids exposed to. And so, um, it convicted me, it convicted me big time. And I, eventually I had to come to Casey and I said, I don't think this is something that our family should be watching. And in that moment, I was the Jonathan. I was the one who was recognizing that this was not okay in God's kingdom. Um, and, and I, and I said, I, we have to change this, you know, and, and you hate, you know, saying no to your kids. And, you know, when you're having a good, when it's a all good fun to them, like they don't recognize these undertones, like we're recognizing them. Yeah. And we, we were a couple seasons in, like there, there were storylines that were unfinished that we don't know what happened. Like even our kids knew that, Hey, what, what happens is this? It, it, we were invested as a family. But what was great about this is as soon as I came to Casey and I said, I don't think this is okay. His instant answer was okay. I, you're right. I, I can come alongside that and I can agree. And so we, we talked to our kids and we, we, you know, we went into this spiritual battle with, with, um, where God was calling us. And as a family, we said, this isn't what we're choosing for our lives. So that, that's just one practical example, but. And I want to real quick, I don't want you to think that in saying that, like we, we were perfect and we had all the answers. Absolutely not. Both of us for a while in that show we were Saul's we were sitting there we both like whenever something would happen ignoring the obvious yeah we would look at each other and be like "Mm." and then we didn't pick up on that we'll be okay we're still good parents we we were complacent and even sometimes we were we were hiding or we were even like the Israels that went Israelites that went over to the enemy and so it's not that oh I've never been a Jonathan so I never can or I've never been an armor bearer so I never never can um one thing uh, later on um, in the story, it talks about how Saul saw what was going on with Jonathan and his armor bearer. And they're like, we got to get in on this. We got to help him. And then from that, the Israelites who were hiding, they then joined the fight. And then the Israelites that were with the Philistines, they joined in the fight. Like from this one act that Jonathan and his armor bearer did. It snowballed. It brought everyone in together. And then they all began walking in step with the plan that God had which was fighting the enemy. And so it's it's not a it's not a one and done or it's a, I've never done it so I can never do it again. It's uh we it, it's not a it's not a condemnation that we're trying to throw on people. It's no matter what s- place you are in your life, no matter who you are identifying in the story with, you can still walk in what God has for you. Yeah, like I I don't want to go forward in life and say, well, I was the one hiding in the hole, Lord, like that was me. I I want to go forward and say, I want to be that Jonathan or I want to be that armor bearer that comes alongside my Jonathan and and really makes 
the change for this world. And so, you know, practical things that we can do to partner with each other. You know, one of them is we can pray together. Um, we can pray for each other. I, I, I didn't tell Casey this before we, um, before we, uh, recorded this, but one thing that God's been calling me to do for the last couple months is every day to get down on my knees and pray for him. Mm-hmm. And I have seen the impact that that has made in his life. I might not be with him every moment of his day, but I can sure partner with him every single moment of his day by praying for him. Um, we can worship together. We can dive into scripture more together, you know, uh, and it's it's not really what we want people to take away from this is it's not really the physical situations that you are in that that we're wanting you to you know go into battle over these are the spiritual situations that you are in all the time you know ephesians 6 tells us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood against flesh and blood but against the the forces of of this of the dark you know of darkness in in the spiritual in the heavenly realms and so that's that's what we want people to take away from this is we want you to be a a, a jonathan and an armor bearer that takes on um, the spiritual battles in your life and doesn't shrink away from them. You are, you're taking them on head on. Yeah. And so just, uh, just to leave you with just a couple of thoughts. Um, yeah. So it's, it's recognizing your place in God's plan. Um, being an armor bearer, being an unnamed armor bearer where you're only known by your actions. That's okay. in God's plan because it's, it's God's plan. I mean, yeah, we may recognize a couple founding fathers of the faith, but there's only a couple dozen that we could actually like name. And in reality, there have been so many more people that have spoken into their lives that have let them be that um, that that founding father. It, it's learning then how to embrace that armor bearer calling, and it's then partnering with your spouse not only just directly with them, but also partnering together with Christ. Um, one final verse I just want to leave you with, it's, um, it's Ecclesiastes 4.12, and it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And that's awesome. Like that conquer, that's like the ultimate. That's the, that's the epitome. That's as far as you need to go. You've won. But the verse doesn't stop there. It says, but three is even better because a three braided cord is not easily broken. So it, it doesn't matter if when you're taking these verses of Jonathan and the armor bearer, you're applying them to your marriage of you and your spouse. God has to be in that three braided cord. That's it. It's his plan. It's, it's you two, whether you're the Jonathan or the armor bearer or vice versa, going through God's plan, not your own. Or if it's just in your personal life where you're partnering with Christ as the bride of Christ, God is still there. It's it's that three braided. It's that it's that triune marriage that just it has to be, or else it's man's plan and it's going to fail. Yeah, and ultimately it just comes down to that. We are the bride of Christ, so we as a couple get to be the armor bearer of Christ and going forward and following Him and whatever He does. So we're gonna just close this out in prayer for the day and and and. Hope that this message really blesses you. So God, we just ask that whoever's ears this falls upon, whoever um, can take this message and really um, 
hear your words in it, Lord, that you would start sending out Jonathan's and armor bearers into this world to make a difference in your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.